You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Thanks for listening to the Barton Han Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on 98.7 ESPN. Busy day for you. Obviously, get up this morning, and um, if if you're watching the network today, got a little heated on first day. <laughs> we got some beef going on here between some analysts. It's, you know, we're at the playoff time now, and everybody's got their takes and things to say. And uh, I don't know. Sometimes it gets a little uncomfortable when the family starts to squabble. Well, it's all good, but it's natural, right? It's just like um, sitting around, you know, what I'm saying in the bar, or sitting around in yep. the basement watching the game. Yep. Uh, uh, Rocky Bassion, the greatest heavyweight of all time. <laughs> Exactly. He kicked Joe Lewis' ass. Yes, Joe yep. Lewis was 75 years old. I ran into Joe Lewis. He said he lied about his age all the time. Everybody know Joe Lewis lied about his age. I one time ran into Joe Lewis and said, hey, how old is Joe Lewis? Hey, between you and me, he's 155 years old. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's all good, so it's all good man. When you well, think Daniel about it. and Harold need to uh, just to, to Right, where did those names come from? And move on. <laughs> it's the most bizarre thing. For those listening, so – Bar was on Get Up this morning, but First Take had our friend right of the after, show, yeah. Harry Douglas, and uh, who had a, a great career as a wide receiver in the NFL, most of his time with the Atlanta Falcons. His Orlovsky. brother, Tony Douglas, played for the Knicks, for those who were paying attention. And then there's, of course, Dan Olavsky, who also played in the league and, and has been an analyst with ESPN as well. And uh, they got to calling each other Harold and Daniel. Yeah. When you start See, using the full name. No, um, like the day for, I call you Bartholomew, yeah. you know you're in trouble. But just for um, full disclosure, yeah, Harry name is Harry. Where he got Harold from, <laughs> I have no idea. Dan <laughs> and Daniel sounds like they go together. Harold and Harry is like that's like Dick. Wait, and Harry Douglas's actual like birth certificate name is not Harold. No, <laughs> his name is Harry. <laughs> so I don't know. If Dan didn't know that, or he just. But like I can tell him when in the opening statements that. Uh, Harry was waiting to come back because he was coming at he was coming at Harold uh, I love about it. about system and, and strategy and he's like hold up Dan what do you talk bro I played in this system for ten years oh, if Dan I know anything I know what the hell I'm talking about yeah Daniel <laughs> he dropped that on him and my Molly was in there like oh personal shots fired it, it, it got real juicy in there you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. but full disclosure people don't know Harry Douglas played ten years in the league for people that do know. Dan Orlowski, um held a clipboard for 12. Well, I mean, all right. But he still was in the way. <laughs> you're, no, you're just taking sides. That's what no, you're doing. That's the, that, well, Harry comes on our show more. So, no, you know we love Harry. No, no, so we, we love him. But it was funny, man. I always love, I always love when it gets a little tense <laughs> because I wonder, like, how, how yeah. that comes off to the viewer that's watching the argument and the debate. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. So, lots to get to again today. So, last night, Bart, as, as, you, as I mentioned yesterday, so I was on the radio call for the Knicks game for – uh, the MSG Radio Network, which you hear right here on 98.7 ESPN, and I mean it was fun. Ed Cohen's, a, you know, he's a pro, and and we we had a terrible game to call, terrible. I mean, terrible game to call, but still, it's fun to do. You know, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I'll get a couple more games in this season, which is great. It's a good experience. But so you know, you are like immersed in football right now. I'm like, like I'm half and half because I'm in the midst of obviously an NBA season, but. I, you and I didn't get a chance to talk because last night I was working. 
But for the tease today for the show, I just came up with something I never told you about, so I'm just going to drop it on you right now. Yeah. What I said was that Bart Scott will 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 rank where Dexter Lawrence ranks among the remaining defensive players in the playoffs. You did what? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a good idea. You love doing rankings. We always do that stuff. And I figured, you know, you'd be able to do it off the top of your head. So let's do it. Bart Scott, where would you rank Dexter Lawrence? So let's see. Let's go through your best defensive players left in the playoffs. Who would be the top choice for you off top well, of your head? Well, well I'm, glad, I'm glad you gave me the opportunity to do it that way, man, because otherwise I might be stuck like Chuck. Uh, <laughs> Who's the best you know, player? Yeah, you, you know how you know, and then you look, and then somebody asks you something, and you can't think of nothing. Like uh-huh. ah, um, mine is blank. That's that's me every day. If I if I had to go with the best defense, I would just it's easy because I think the defensive player of the year is still playing football. Who's that? Uh, I would go with um, Nick Bosa. I mean, yeah, it's hard to argue that one. Yeah, Nick for Bosa me, is for me. From the Forty ers Okay. Yep. So if if all right, if Bosa's number one, as we still are waiting to hear Dexter Lawrence's name. Who's number two as the best defensive players left in the playoffs? Hmm. Well, it's a guy that kind of took over as the number one interior guy in the NFL, surpassing um, a title or taking the title from a guy in Aaron Donald. It has to be Chris Jones. Hmm. Okay. So that's still somebody not named Dexter Lawrence. Yeah. So then third, if I had to be third, third, I would have to say somebody – Who's also in the defensive player of the year uh, running? Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably would say, let's go for. Uh, I would go with Michael Parsons. Michael Parsons. Okay, yep. Michael so now Parsons we have three. a Forty Nine er, a Chief, and a Cowboy. Still no Dexter Lawrence. That's three deep. Four. Yeah, yeah. It's no shame in that Dexter Lawrence. I'm Sexy just, Dexter I'm still I'm doing. Just curious to see how long it takes us to get to Dexter Lawrence because I feel like in this game against the Eagles, he might be their most important player. Yeah, he might. I'm thinking he's their most important player. Like, yeah. if if the story is written, I'm a sports writer, I'm writing the game story. The story is written of the Giants pulling off the upset, knocking off a top seed to get to the NFC Championship game. Dexter Lawrence is somewhere at the very top of the story for impact on the game. That's what I think. So you haven't gotten to him yet. So we've got Bosa, Jones, Parsons. Who would be then fourth on your list of best remaining defensive players in football? Sometimes you got to go to the skinny guys, man. Um, I'll go secondary. Yeah, I'll probably go with uh, Philadelphia. Wait a minute. Big play Slay. You're going with Darius Slay. Yeah, yeah. It's a good call. Talk about an impact player. No doubt about it. He's been been the difference, man. Mm -hmm. He might be bored, too. (laughs) (laughs) In this game, he could be bored. Um, You got got, got Haji. Okay, after that? Right. Hodgkin's been very good. Oh, man, I forgot about this, too, man. I forgot about this guy. Who? Ah, Got to push him back a little farther. Ugh. All right, so we're in the top five now. Who gets in? Yeah. Thanks, Lawrence? I, nah, I, I got to go I gotta go. Trey Henderson, man. Trey Henderson? Yo, he's got like 30 sacks in the last two yep. years, man. It, mm-hmm. He is the – he's the bell cow. Yeah. Oh, man. And then Six. Six. I know I had him. At, uh, I know I had him at six, but uh, I got to put him behind Trayvon Diggs too, man. Trayvon Diggs is the number one guy. Uh, yeah, I got to go Trayvon Diggs, man. Dude, we're yeah. already up to seven. You serious? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, and then after that, man, I might. <sighs> so we've hit, do this we've hit every team so far, right? We've got Niners, Chiefs, Cowboys. Well, we ain't got no Eagles. bills in there. We ain't got no bills in you there. You haven't hit the bills yet? No, you haven't we, hit... we ain't got okay. no bills in there. Um, damn, I got to go back to the Eagles. The Eagles? Yeah. Hassan Reddick, man. Hassan Reddick. Wait, wait, wait. Now, I'm waiting for you to get to Dexter Lawrence, and I'm I'm realizing that you've left one name off the list. Well, well, well I know I've got to go to Hassan Reddick because this dude got 16 sacks this year. Now, this, is, you talk, this is a team that led. So now the, I know the, you're looking stuff up. <laughs> right? You're doing this off the top of your head. You're looking this stuff up. Um, go ahead, because now I'm feeling like we might we might get 10 because you also haven't mentioned Fred Warner. Oh, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, Fred Warner. But you got to go Hassan Reddick, 16 sacks, man. Yep. The, the team that almost set the record for the single single record for uh, sacks. Okay, yeah. so now you got, you got two from the Eagles, two from the Niners. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And then, so my theory is, is, is getting shot down. So what you're doing right now is you're letting me know that what I'm saying as an impact player in this game, no, I'm going right. No, 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 no. I'm going. I'm going. Listen, best player, most important player, two different things. All right. Most important player depends on where you're at, mm-hmm. and then that's where I fall on. Right now, this is the, the the perfect spot for Dexter Lawrence. Okay. So what's that? Eight. Eight. We Listen, eight, that, that's eight that's deep. high. That's high. That's high praise for a big fatty. Okay. You know what I'm saying? A guy that's not going to get a lot of sacks, guy that's not fast, twitchy, or something like that, like Aaron Donald, you know what I'm saying? He's going to be dominant on the run and dominant on the pass. You know, him being able to push that pocket to make, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts. That's why it's so important if he's going to push that pocket, the edge has got to be set. You can't be getting up the field trying to be a hero. You got to rush as a unit at times, knowing that Dexter should be able to make – Hurts step up, but you don't want to make him be able to step out. Right, right, I, I, yeah. That, that's going to that, of course, is what Wink Martindale is going to have to make sure that they have figured out because the first time around when they played them again, the second game, I you can't put a lot into the second game. Right. Second game, he's coming back, shaking off rust. The, they are, the Giants aren't playing their main guys. There's not a lot to watch in that game to to learn from. He didn't run at all in that game either. That first game when they lost by twenty, when they were getting smoked. That's the game, with that early December game. That's the game that you watch. That's the game they're going to have to figure out what went wrong and how do they fix it. Let's be honest. Now, all right, so that didn't work. <laughs> so let's go to the other side of the ball then. Is Daniel Jones more important in this game than Saquon Barkley? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I Why? mean, he touches the ball every time. You know, he, he's responsible for the pass game and the rush game as well. And I know Saquon is a big weapon as far as being able to isolate against linebackers. But for me, Daniel Jones has to play his best game. He has to be decisive. He has to be um, accurate with his ball. He has to play a clean game. And you talk about a team that, you know, led the league in sacks. You you know, ball security is job security as well. When you consider, you know, those guys going to be out there hunting. And at times, there's going to be times where, you know, big play slave, Brad Bradbury, just are better, and they shut down your 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 your, your uh, receivers. You just got to throw the ball away or eat it. And you know, sometimes you got to say, you know what, I can't have bad possessions where I try and press and give the ball away, but you still have to be aggressive at the same time. That's a fine balance. It is, and obviously, you know, you would think because of you were talking about the other day, time of possession, like like so. 
if you can keep their offense off the field, that would be something that Barkley would have the biggest influence on. But I'm with you, and then I think that this is another big Daniel Jones game. And it might not mean another Daniel Jones like statistic game. Like this might have this might not be a 300 yard passing kind of game, but I do think it's more important because of the idea of controlling turnovers, which you know we know he's done better this year, but yeah. still can always creep up. You never know; it's in his history. So until you prove that I can trust you, I'm always going to wonder when is that performance yeah. going to come. But still, what I care about is red zone efficiency. Okay, when you get down there. Do you get seven instead of three? Right. And I care about third down efficiency. Are you moving the chains? Because even if you don't get a touchdown off of it, you're getting first downs that gives you opportunity to flip the field with your punt team. Yeah, and and what I like about Daniel Jones, what we've always liked about him, but because this is the first time we're seeing him in these types of moments, is that his greatest asset might not be his legs, might not be his arm, might not even be his brain. It might be his blood pressure. Mm. He stays calm. He stays cool. That is the – we know everybody wanted to make the Eli comparisons all along. They all looked at the body language, the way he would kind of like turn his head sideways, slump his shoulders. Like you remember the remember at the end of Forrest Gump when he sits next to his son and they're watching TV and like it's the son – like like Forrest Gump turns his head and yeah. then the little boy does the same exact thing. Like that's what everybody wants to do, Eli and Daniel Jones, right? That. My that's the scene. Forrest. <laughs> Me too. It, it is 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 he is he smart or is he uh, right <laughs> like when he's so nervous about asking that that to me is that I think of that scene as I think of the Eli Daniel Jones parallel, but because of what I saw in Minnesota, I said all right there it is, there's the parallel. It's the the that low blood pressure. Yeah, because it's we that talk it's about that slow heartbeat. We talk, we talk about athleticism. Oh, yeah, there's yeah, no, no comparison. No, no comparison. No, none, none. But Eli, in the moment, never looked rattled, never sped up, never had to – like, he just looked calm. And that's what Daniel Jones looks like. He looks like the duck who, above water, looks like he's just floating, and below water, the legs are going like crazy. But you don't see that part. And that's what I think is the great comparison. Now, Mike Kafka, who is the offensive coordinator of the Giants, and, by the way, a guy that's also just like Wink getting calls for head coaching interviews – he talked about Daniel Jones and that mentality. He's pretty much the same guy every day. You know, he doesn't really sweat it either way or you know, up or down. He kind of just stays in the game and, and keeps fighting, keep playing. And I think that's where you, know, you see a guy like him, you know, he's put us in position to be in those type of games. Now, Bart, you were a guy who was the opposite. You were the guy that we saw your legs going. Mm-hmm. Like you were, you were somebody that I'll showed emotion. You wore it on your sleeve. But as a defensive player, I think that served you best. So how difficult is it? To be that way, to stay calm in this type of – this is a high blood pressure moment. Like, this is the heartbeat kind of moment now at Philly. I mean, that's not an easy place to play. Yeah. In the playoffs, like, as a team like that, top seed, all those things going on, and yet to remain calm. The thing is, is a level. You have to have a heightened sense of urgency. You got to – you got to – ramp it up emotionally a little bit because right. if you don't, you find yourself flat. Right. It's like one of those things where another team is just playing a lot of lot of plays and things like that is based on emotion, right, and and, and want to. Uh, but as a quarterback, you got to be a little bit more level-headed. But I need I need them to ratchet up a little bit. Uh, they got a feel of what playoff football is all about. The farther they get, the more intensity, the more intense playoff football gets. The 
uh, attention to detail, the adjustments. This is going to be a tale of coaching staffs who can adjust. Somebody initial game plan may be working fine, mm-hmm. but then the other team's going to have to adjust, and then when they adjust, can the other team adjust? So it's going to be about how deep is your roller decks, and conceptually, can you see schematically what the what either side defense or offense is trying to do, and can you counter it and come up on the fly with answers for your young guys to say, listen, man, this is what's going on. This is what we're going to do. Because you have to pay attention to the first 15 snaps. First 15 snaps, you know, the offense is going to come out. They're going to give you different personnel. They're going to give you different plays. They're going to be fast. They're going to be crisp because everybody has been practicing this script the entire week. Right. So it's like, so it's like coming from a rehearsal. They rehearse this one. When you get outside of 15, it goes to, okay, what's going on now? How are they adjusting? Are we getting our ass kicked? Do we need to switch it up? So then – that's what that's where the that's where the coaching comes in at, and that's where whatever team makes the best adjustments is going to give their players an opportunity. It's nothing like when your coach can give you some solid truths that can say, okay, this is what they're doing, and this is how we beat it, and it works out. Because then you buy in, whether whether it worked out on purpose or by mistake. Just the fact that they say, listen, they're doing this. This is what we're going to do. And mm-hmm. We're going to kick their ass with it. That just gives you so much confidence. Like, oh man, coach, know what's going on. If not one play. Sing, or one formation can seem like 50, right? You think about, oh, man, like they just it's just a bunch. Okay, and then if you don't pay attention who's in the bunch, oh, they got a tight end and a running back in a bunch this time. This time they got a receiver and a tailback in it. Those little things. No, a bunch is a bunch, and it's played differently based on who's in it. Those are the keys and tips that you're looking for from your coach when you come back to the sideline and you're looking at that uh, iPad. Like, yo, how are we being attacked? Because sometimes you can be in a fight and don't even know where they get. Like, yo, if these dudes octopuses, it seems like they're everywhere. I can't, they, they ear-holing me. I don't see none of this coming. Coach, you lied to me. Yeah, you don't it, see which coaching staff is our truth tellers this week. Yeah, you know, that, that is a funny thing too is, right, the confidence comes from what? It comes from the – it's based on the knowledge you have, right? It's absolutely – the confidence comes from preparation. But it comes from the knowledge that you have. And when you put the two together and say, okay, this is what I was taught all week. Yeah, yeah, I see that happening in front of me. Or this is what I was taught all week. I don't know what the hell's going on in front of me. I'm not prepared. Yeah. And when you feel unprepared, your confidence dips heavy. Man, your and then you start trying harder. Ooh, oh, yeah, the anxiety ooh, kicks in, the emotion. It's playoffs, man. This somebody is, make know, a play like this. Somebody go hero ball. Like, yeah. bro, yeah. why would – have you shot that shot? It goes back to that. Have you shot that shot? It goes back to that. I ain't that. never seen you shoot that shot. <laughs> 800 919 There it is. Patrick Ewing. 800-919-3776 is the number. We'll get the call stacked, racked, ready to go. Um, but on Daniel Jones, I, I found this to be, though, the thing that really stands out to me. We talk so much about quarterbacks and drafting them and developing them and how you find them and the desperation of moving up to get one, right, uh, tanking for picks and all those things. In the NFC, Daniel Jones is the only first-round pick left out of the quarterback. Damn. Blows my mind, right? So, that means when we get to the championship, we're going to have a um, Chrysler 300 versus Ferraris. Well, I was going to say, on the other side of it. It's American-made. It can win. (laughs) Ford versus Ferrari. Like cars. Ka-chow. Ka-chang. My name's Mater. Like Tub Mater without the Tub. In the AFC, it's the opposite. In the AFC, it is all about that. In the AFC, you have all four were top ten quarterbacks. You have two number ones in Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. Then you've got Josh Allen, who's seventh. And, oh, by the way, the lowest pick of all is the best of them all remaining, Patrick Mahomes, who is yeah. tenth overall. Isn't that crazy? You're, but, you're basically saying that the AFC is, is going against Shane Falco on the other side. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, well, if you think about Brock Purdy's story, it might legit be like Shane Falco going up against again what Patrick Mahomes. I need heart. <laughs> what? Winners always want the ball. Hey, what the Cowboys need is that kicker, right? Just, just, oh man, yo, that, listen, that is that's something. one of the best characters in all the sports movies. Dude's like the, like flicks a butt. Ole, <laughs> ole, 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 ole. It's gonna be interesting, man, because that's a developing story as well. You can't feel confident with that, like with Brett new, Maher? Yeah, because the new dude come in, and what if he just is like I've seen guest kickers come in, and when I say put on a show, mm-hmm. I'm talking about put on a show. Like, this dude is great to leg. Somebody must didn't like him. He must have slept with the coach's uh, girlfriend, or sister, or daughter. And then they get in the game, and they pee down their yep. damn legs. Like, mm-hmm. man, okay, we knew it was too good to be true. Because why wouldn't you sign if you this damn good? Uh, I mean. And now your kicker got the yips. He, well, it's look, the good news was that he got the last one. Like, if you don't get that last one, like, at least he saw one go through. That last one was zero percent. Yeah. Like zero percent. You mean zero yeah. percent pressure. pressure? Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes you just get like sometimes yeah. you just get a free throw shot. You gotta you gotta recalibrate. You know, that's all you need to do. So you want a positive stat? Yeah, let's see a positive stat. Positive stat for the Giants because I'm all record. I'm telling you, like like you can root for your team and you can feel good. I know all the Giants players are like this ain't house money. This ain't house money. Okay, it's not. It's not for you. But from a fan perspective, the reality is the Giants shouldn't win this game. They're really not supposed to win this game. They're not yeah. expected to win this game. This is not a game they're supposed to win. They really shouldn't have right? won last week's game. Well, no, probably not, but they did. But that was a game we saw they had an opportunity. They could win that game. This one, it's like something's got to go wrong for the Eagles, for the Giants to win this game. Well, it's clear. That, yeah, that's but true. There's, but, but here's a reason, again, all the reasons to believe, let's, let's give you one, is that – the number one seeds don't always get go all the way. In fact, the number one seeds don't even go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's been four years now. It's the second longest drought we've gone where a top seed has not won the Super Bowl. The last top seed to win a Super Bowl was? The Patriots. No, the Eagles. Oh. Actually, it was in the Super Bowl where both top seeds got to the Super Bowl. Oh, they were the top seed? Oh, that's the right. Eagles Carson on the NFC it. side, yeah. On the NFC side. I don't know why I thought they were underdogs because they was wearing them dog masks all year. With Nick Foles, they were an underdog. We consider right. the fact that they lost their starting quarterback, but they made that run and they did it. So that, that is, it's, there's more parity in the league than ever before, which gives you reason that, as you once famously said 12 years ago, anyone can get got. And that's the mentality the Giants have to have going into this game is maybe it's their turn to get got. But ESPN Analytics gives uh, the Eagles an 80% likelihood to win this game. 80%, Barty. 80%. So, and you know what? Let's not just play. Let's well, play. I'm, I mean, not, again. I'm not again. showing up. Right. Right. Well, why bother, right? You have that attitude? Yeah. No, you always play because you just never know what's going to happen. But when you look at it on both sides of the ball, Dexter Lawrence, he can, he can wreck this game. He could cause a lot of havoc if he just – does what he does up the middle and forces everything now to the outside. And then Jalen Hurts cannot or doesn't have time to make those throws. You have your secondary intact. That's important as well because that also takes away some of that offense. And now you turn them into a running game, mm-hmm. which, Bart, you would know that's exactly what you want, is it? Not? Ground and pound, right? You, you limited possessions. 
on a on a, on a good day, you you want to go on a couple 10, 13 play drives, and you want to hold these guys to maybe eight, mm-hmm. nine like nine possessions, like eight nine possessions within the game. You know what I mean? So you talk about uh, let's just say eight possessions a game. That's two possessions a quarter. You want to hold them to two possessions a quarter and hope that you know you get a turnover in one of those and you put pressure on them. It's going to be who's going to succumb to the pressure. It's like one of those things. You ever watch these like great prize fights? They get out there and it's like, yo, it's yep. been four quarters and they ain't really threw no punches. Mm-hmm. But man, they are putting in data, testing stuff, setting up feints, setting up uh, plays, seeing how you react to certain movements. That's 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 usually how these things go. Mm-hmm. You know, well, again, you coaching's on your side. If you're the Giants, coaching's on your side. You got you have again with between Wink and Dayball, you know you're not going to get out coached. And that goes back to what we were saying before. When the players have the confidence of preparation, anything can happen. Again, 800-919-3776. How many games do you play in Philly? Uh, maybe like four or five. We used to go there every uh, preseason, too. Yeah, but preseason doesn't Like I'm talking about a real game. Because that's huh. a place – Philly's this place that has sort of – I don't know what – this reputation. And, I mean, the whole booing Santa thing is kind of goofy. But this this whole this reputation of like oh that's a tough place to play like Dexter Lawrence said he's telling his mom not to go because he knows yeah, that, that she she'll yell true. back at some of the fans right yeah that's true they, they, somebody throw a beer from up there well and you have all that going on. on like Keyshawn loved playing there because he said that he used to hear it from them all the time those fans like he yeah, loved remember, remember when Keyshawn got there they could never win in cold weather they were sending Tampa home every single year but he he loved it like he he like there's some players that feed off it so I'm. I'm asking people, is Philly just a tougher sports town than New York? Because, I mean, we all know teams come into the garden, they just, you know, put on a show. MetLife feels like 50-50 a lot of times because we sell our tickets to opposing teams' fans all the time. Yankee Stadium, does it have that same feel as the old Yankee Stadium? Does City Field have that same kind of yeah. you know, aura? But you go into Philly – all they Philly, talk, Philly I mean, talks. You saying Philly uh, fans are tougher than, than New York there's fans? There's something there's about playing in Philly, and the fans themselves are they just tougher than New York fans? Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 
Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Thanks for listening to the Barton Han Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on 98.7 ESPN. I tell you what, let's let's see what the people's talking about. Can, we, can I pick one? Let me pick one. Oh, you you want to pick a caller? I, I, yeah. You don't want to get to a couple. Of the, I did, there is a little bit of breaking news in the NFL today. I want uh, to react. All right, I just want our call. Let them know. No, no we got the callers. No, no, they're stacked. Right can't there. wait. Can't wait. We'll can't wait. But this is um, this is interesting. We kind of heard this was coming. You and I were walking out of Seaport on Monday, right? And we were talking with Graz, and he he was kind of alluding to this. And you and I, you and I both, when we heard it, he's like, "This is this might happen this week." And we were like, "What?" Yep. So Todd Bowles has made a change in his coaching staff. One so far, there could be more. Byron Leftwich has been fired as the offensive coordinator of the Bucks. Yeah. What do you make of that? I mean, listen. This tells me that Todd is nervous, and. His vision isn't Bruce Arians' vision. I mean, you talk about, you know, how beautiful that story was when they won the first Super Bowl, having, you know, three high-level coaches on their staff that were all African-American. And you would you thought that at this point, you know, Byron Leftwich interviewed for the Jacksonville Jaguars job. He was a guy that was high on people's, yep. um, you know, on, on He was a candidate list. for several jobs. Yeah, right? how, We thought now, he'd get in the Jacksonville and now, job. And, and now he's fired. Mm-hmm. So now you just take all the places, like who would want Byron Leftwich? Like how much of the credit is he getting? You know, whether it's him or, you know, Eric the Enemy, you, you you see that sometimes when you have these offensive coaches, not that Ty Bowles is that, but these offensive coaches, you know, the coordinators don't get the credit. And that's what we've always seen and, and fighting for. So let's see if he's going to be a big name. That's maybe the Jets will bring him in, right? You know, why not? He's a mm. Super Bowl coordinator. You got to listen to everything. They they put up six. You got to turn every every stone anyway. Let's see if they can if they watch. You know, because not only that, he was a former quarterback, so maybe right. he can help develop a young quarterback. Now, we know it was very little development when it came to oh my God. Uh, Tom Brady, right? You know, it's well, like one of those things. And Tom Brady was probably teaching Byron Lef- Leftwich yeah. at some point. All right. But I'm speaking wondering- of which, though, when you talk about, you know, an environment of teaching, did you see this stuff? So Mike LaFleur, apparently a Port Country Reports, was telling people, Captain Obvious right here, you know, his offense looked a lot better when Zach Wilson wasn't running it. <laughs> Hold on. First of all, I thought he only left the Jets because he had opportunities that people uh, were hired. Where's he at? Did he get he, hired yet? Not yet. No, oh, it's amazing okay. how all these jobs were available and he hasn't gotten one of them. <laughs> and he, so how, well, he's and he's was, mulling over his, his choices. He's got so many options. He's, he's got like, to man, man, I'm gonna take some time to figure this it's out. Like the, it's like the bachelor. He's going to give a rose to a team. <laughs> so what also came out in a report is related was Elijah Moore apparently told LaFleur he sucks. As a coach, bro, <laughs> I mean, it would be when he made his trade demand. Like, bro, if you I mean, all, when all that was going it. down, yeah, he's yeah. always like, "Man, you, you suck as a like, coach." Man. So now we understand why things looked 
as bad as they looked and why Zach Wilson is probably not getting better because look at the environment he's in. Look at the coach who's supposed to be teaching him how to become a quarterback. He don't even know what he's doing. And the wide receivers calling him out saying, like, you don't know what you're doing. I don't trust you. So, like, now we're starting to see what was really going wrong with this terrible offense. And after that trade request – Elijah Moore was targeted two times. <laughs> like, oh, you think I'm drawing a play up for you? Oh yeah, yeah. We let you back because we have to. It's like, amazing. Guys, we guys were blaming, well. and we were blaming Zach Wilson for this. <laughs> All of right? We were blaming him. I'm like, why every time Barrios in, he get a jet sweep, and then Elijah Moore come in, and they don't run the jet sweep with him. Right? Then he's like, didn't he score four touchdowns last year <laughs> on the jet sweep? Amazing stuff. Ego. All right, let's get the calls going here. 800-919-3776. Let's begin with Mike in Elmwood Park. What's up, Mike? Guys, thanks for taking the call as always. Love you guys. Um, I just want to go back to what uh, Han was saying earlier. Um, you know, I'm fully aware that I'm a Giants fan, and this might be a homer take, but, you know, I, I just want to go at you. You said that at any time Daniel Jones' turnovers could rear its ugly head. I just I, – I don't – like, Daniel Jones has had this great year, and so has Jalen Hurts, right? Mm-hmm. But Daniel Jones just played an away playoff game and, and kind of dominated. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts last year was not a good quarterback, and he hasn't even played a playoff game yet. He hasn't – you know, his head coach hasn't coached in a playoff game yet. I mean, Philly's the better team. We all know that. But I, I'm pretty confident that my quarterback that has already played well in a playoff game on the road is not going to just turn the ball over and completely break, break down. I would bet that the guy who hasn't played in the playoffs yet would have not a terrible game because they're a great team, but maybe he would have some struggles. Maybe he, the bright lights would get to him, not my guy who has already shown that he can do it. You know right, what well, I mean? Well, right, yeah. Mike, this, Mike, you have every right as a fan to feel that way. And, and I would never tell you you shouldn't trust in your team or believe in your team. I would never say that. But, I mean, who is the quarterback that had the better year as far as success? Who's the quarterback that has played? MVP like, candidate. At, 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 yeah, it, people were talking about him as an MVP candidate. Like, like Jalen Hurts is somebody that has already given me enough of a track record to have more trust in him. And this is, this is not a knock on Daniel Jones. He's had a good season. But – you always until you see more of it until he gets further away from the guy he once was, which was earlier this season. You know, it still was early this season. He was still turning the ball over in ways that his own head coach would go up to him on the sideline in front of everybody and ball him out for it. So because of that, you just have to think to yourself, is that guy ever going to show his face again? Are we going to see him? And the further away you get from that guy, the less you'll expect it. But all I was saying was, and I don't think it's a crazy t- – I don't even think it was a hot take, Bart. It is the thing that to, that you want to watch is, okay, he had a really good game in Minnesota. Can he put another one together in a harder place to play, in a hostile environment against a, a much better defense that is going to be coming after him? A 70-sack team is coming after him. And so with that in mind, it, it's, it's, it's not a hot take to say you have to really worry about Daniel Jones and turnovers in this game. Simple as that. It's not a knock. It's just reality. That's yeah, Achilles heel, right? We saw a little bit with Dak Prescott. You know, he got the yips and he just reverted sometimes. Sometimes you get one, you get two tip balls and now it's in your head. Right. You know, let's it, let, let's see if he can stay consistent. That's the, or you that's try to run with it and it gets punched out and now that conversation comes up again. I mean, the Giants have had, historically, have had that happen to them in the past. I mean, there's just been that guy, you know, that, that you know, it's just, guys turns the ball up. Doesn't have, you know, runs with the ball. Great runner, great player, turns the ball up. 
you know, there's those things that do you do worry about because of a reputation for it. You look at Josh Allen, right? And, and this team and this opponent, this be the third time that they're they're seeing the Giants. So they're starting to understand conceptually what they do. A lot of times you have a new coach. It takes a while for teams to figure out what you do. You know, I remember when I came in with Rex, like Bill Belichick, he didn't he didn't he couldn't adjust to how much we blitzed. So until he's seen it a couple of times, and conceptually you can kind of figure out what they do. But when you play each other and you're in a division, you start to understand what they do. And yeah. If you see somebody over there that's number 16, you're like, oh, oh, that's that's so-and-so. Okay, I know what he do. Yeah, you know see, who people but, are. Yeah, yeah, you know who the extended roster is. Yes. Like most guys, you go play a team, you only know who the, t- the, the starters are. Offensively, defensively, that's what they give you the scouting report. But, man, it's a Leon Washington in there hiding. Or, man, mm-hmm. it's a Brad Smith sitting in there hiding. Or it's an Eric Smith sitting in there hiding. Like, yo, who is this dude? Yep. Like, he may not be a starter, but he comes in, he gives them 15 great plays. It's much different when it's a divisional opponent. And you just brought up Josh Allen. Like, like, people are saying the same thing about Josh Allen because of what he's looked like recently. And the concern about, you know what, he's starting to turn the ball over again and he's got to be careful with the ball. I mean, this is a team that yeah, should reckless. be a Super Bowl team. But he's been a bit reckless. He does hero ball a little too much. And that was a problem he was earlier in his career. Back of balance. Got away That's from right. it. And now it's starting to show its ugly head again, and people are wondering about it. So, again, if you could say it about Josh Allen, how dare I say it about Daniel Jones? All right, 800-919-3776. We'll keep the calls rolling. Uh, Brian from Holmes, New York, won a $200 Amex gift card as part of the Superbox Bonanza. So, again, the next opportunity to win will be in the Michael K. Show. So stay listening, of course, right here. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Thanks for listening to the Barton Han Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on 98.7 ESPN. Eli Manning once said, I just saw this. I want to credit Alberto who sent it to us on Twitter. I love this quote. Uh, it's from uh, Newsday's Neil Best. Of, ES, uh, of Eli Manning on playing in Philly and dealing with Eagles fans. He said, you go there and that nine-year-old kid's giving you the double finger. Not a thumbs up. Not we're number one. And he said something about my mom. I had to Google what it was. It's a different culture. He said something about their mom? Yeah. All right. He said. I would, and, I, I, I would have told that nine-year-old, I'm going to start dating <laughs> your mom and do bad things to her. How about that? 
Get up, my mama. Yeah, you never, you never too young to get that smoke. If you, if you good enough to talk about my mama, I'm gonna do something to your mama. Like this, this is obviously like you know. And then Roxy said, "There's a difference between passionate fans and classless jerk fans." Mm, New York fans are the former, passionate. Eagles fans are the latter. Like, and that's the that 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 is, I guess, the, Philadelphia, supposed does, to be the difference. Does, but it doesn't make it easy to play there. I'm not asking about who's yeah. the nicer fans. It's what makes it a harder place to play. So when blue, you're the visitor. So blue collar towns around that kind of would fit this same description. Yeah, it's either Cleveland or Philadelphia. You have to ask yourself, does Philly have a inferiority complex because? Technically, D.C. is the capital and, you know, a little bit better, and New York is considered a better city. Uh It's like out of the four, you would probably say that maybe Philly is the third. You know, you think about Boston, you think about D.C., you think about New York. No, I'm saying New York. Like like Chicago is like the New York for, like, uh, Cleveland. Like Cleveland Cleveland has, like, got inferiority complex between Chicago, um, maybe even Indianapolis (laughs) and Detroit. All right. There's nothing in Cleveland. Nobody really wants to live in Cleveland, whether they want to admit it or not. Mm. So yeah, is that the case? I, I guess we should. Maybe we should ask Rich. I don't know. Yeah, we could check. We could check with Rich from Belleville on this. What's up, Rich? What's going on, fellas? How you doing? What, what up? Are you so, are you guys crazy or are you classless? No, no. Check this. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down a hundred percent. For I, I got to work down there about. I, I live in North Jersey, and I got to work down there about three times a month. They, first off, they're like a cult. It's not even sports fandom, and, and it's crazy. Like, true. when I'm down there and I don't get you guys or, or any of the local stations, you know, I switch to theirs. And I'm not lying. I, I, I'm telling anyone to take the challenge. Tune in to any of their stations in the midday, and it's a bunch of day drinkers that are blasted that just call up the radio station <laughs> crying and screaming. Like, I've never heard anything like it. And the other thing is, I'm sorry, man. They have the worst accent, and no one talks about this. Pennsylvania has the worst, <laughs> worst accent I've ever heard. You're like, you want to go home and get a hoagie? You want to go uh, get a hoagie? What's, yeah, say, yeah. say, say, whiz with for me. Order, order, order no, cheese. No, 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 no. It's, everything's John. Everything's John. About to go over to the John. Up in this yeah. John. But, but guys, listen. When I was down there, they were straight blasting New York yesterday. They were saying New York is the worst city. Anyone who calls up on that station, that's a um, a Giant or Cowboy fan or Washington fan. They label they don't even like you. You know how you keep the names in there for callers. Yeah. They label them filthy cockroach. I'm not lying. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's like. It, Should it's we do that? The point where it's not even sports. You know what, uh, Rich? I'm you glad you. I mean? I, I, uh, well, who would you rather call it? Who would you rather listen to? You rather listen to the Paul Feinbaum fans or oh you rather listen to the Philly fans? The Feinbaum, the Feinbaum callers are of another level. Like that's a different level. The but SEC it makes, but it makes but it football makes fans. But it makes it see it's it's funny to us because of their accent. Yeah. But I wonder how they see here Philly fans go down there and go waka flocka. <laughs> well, like, well, all right. Last crazy. week, remember last week on Friday, what did we do? Right, all the smoke, and we opened it up, and we got remember remember when we got all those all those Vikings mm-hmm. calls at the very beginning, and and then we got a New York caller who was, I want to hear it. Yeah, I got to take some accountability, bro. You know, we he was getting mad this at New us. New York City, it's a giant's hometown. Didn't First want to line. hear from any other calls. You got to take accountability because you're bugging right now. Stop allowing these other fans to call in and talk all this trash. Got, 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 you can hear the New York in them because him and T- Tessa sound like when they get, when they go off. It did sound Sp- like 
Yeah, like Tessa's brother. Yeah, it's Tessa's brother. She but I think, tomorrow, bar- I think Tell tomorrow, I think tomorrow, barbecue, ju- garbage juice. I think tomorrow we go ahead and kind of like let Open it happen. Lines up, let it go. Because you know, people in Philly are close to it. Get both of us. Gets no, us. we we got both we got markets. we have Philly calls. We know we do. Oh. I mean, I, I I I'm interested to hear. I just want to know do, from do, Eagles do fans think- and how the trash talk between Eagles fans and Giants fans go down tomorrow. Like that's tomorrow's show, bro. Like we yeah. did this last week. It worked. We're doing it again. Is, is Philly is Philly fans considered trash and classless or just passionate? That's what we need to know. Mm. Because, you know, like when I played with Cleveland, being part of that rivalry, only place they start selling glass bottles, I mean plastic bottles because they were throwing bottles at us from like the top of the stadium. It hit somebody, you can kill them. Then one year they were throwing uh, double D batteries at us. Mm. Yeah, that, that's, that, yeah. that's classless. The story, the story I always love to tell. It was when I wrote I wrote the book about the Islanders' first Stanley Cup. It's called Birth of a Dynasty. And it's about their first cup in 1980, which started a, a dynasty. And they had a chance to win the cup in Philly against the Flyers in game five. And so they took a whole bunch of people from the front office. Like, like you know, it took like a little bit, a couple of people from the office to come because if they won, they'd be able to all be part of the celebration. So they had like a couple of rows, maybe one or two rows, way up in the old spectrum, the old arena there. Yeah. Uh, which was, I mean, you talk about a bandbox. I mean, that place was, it was tight. And they get to the game, they sit down, and around them, obviously, they're all Flyers fans. And somebody kind of caught wind that they were from the Islanders contingent, right? They were from the uh, from from the office, from the, the people from the office. And they turn around, they're like, oh. You guys better hope you don't win tonight because if you do, you ain't getting out of here alive. Hmm. And the person who I talked to about it, they they said to me, they're like, they were they were among us. We were kind of hoping, as much as we wanted to see them win, we were like, we didn't want to know, you know, like eh, maybe we shouldn't win today. Maybe we'll wait till game six. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, that one almost went to a game seven because it took overtime to win that cup. But anyways, like that's just an example of that. And then Dexter Lawrence saying that he told his mom not to go. Yeah, because he knows that she'll clap back and that could get ugly and you don't want that. Yeah. So I'm not celebrating these people because we saw also, was it Russell Westbrook, right? They dumped uh, popcorn on him, yeah, right? They, was, it, was it Russ? Like there were, th- yeah, th- there are things that do happen there that are not, well, oh, they're just passionate. No, it, it is disrespectful. But I'm not trying to celebrate Philly fans. What I'm saying is, is it harder to play there? than it is here. Thanks for listening to the Barton Han Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on 98.7 ESPN.